Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There's no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. How many would like to hang out with that guy? These last series we've been talking about, it's a victorious series. It's a series that we've been sharing with you in how to breaking bad, breaking up, breaking free. Uh, Pastor next Sunday, I believe, is going to show us how we can break loose. And today we're going to be sharing with something that uh, probably has touched us at some time or other in our life. I have a sense that even today there are people in this sanctuary that are going to be able to relate to what I'm saying, or in the future, you're going to have this type of an experience. You see, the man that I just read about was the same man that killed the lion and killed the bear when he was a youngster. It's the same guy that defeated Goliath. It's the same guy that slew the thousands of Philistines. His name was David. And as I thought about the Victorious series, I thought that, you know, you can't have a victory without a fight. It just can't happen. You can't be victorious if there is not a challenge or if there's not something that you have to overcome. I've never yet seen a boxing match or martial arts match where before they begin, the announcer says, we would like for you please, sir, to come to the center because we're going to give you the trophy. You're the winner. You, you got to fight. You have to box. Whatever sport, whatever uh, event it is, you can't be, cannot be victorious unless there is a victory. So when we look at David and we look at this whole thing that's going on in his life, we, we read about all the great exploits of David, and then we dig down into Psalm 38, and, and those are only about three verses that I read. If you read all 17 verses, it's like, man, this guy is really, really struggling. And I'm, I'm coming into this message this morning thinking, so how are we going to receive this? Because most of the other messages have been pretty much upbeat and positive and yay, yay, and rah, rah, and you can do it, and this is what God wants to do. And, and I'm thinking, and I'm coming in to tell them that they're going to have a breakdown. And I'm sitting over there during worship, and it's just like God is saying to me, if, if we are really in worship this morning, we're going to be ready to handle what my Word has to say to us in just a few moments. You see, David was a man that was experiencing the anguish, the pressure, and the stress of his existence. David was a man that was experiencing what we call a breakdown. Now, it could be emotional, it could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be financial, and some may be of the opinion, but Pastor Don, if we are a believer, we will never have a breakdown. If we are a believer, we'll just never experience 
a breakdown in our life. You see, I grew up with that false concept as well. I grew up, and I remember when I was about 13 years of age, I came home from school, and the house was quiet, and I went into the house, and my aunt said, shh, you've got to be quiet. I said, what's going on? And she said, your mom is in the bedroom, she's in bed, and the curtains are drawn, and she, she, can't, she can't have any visitors. What's happening? And so as, as, as I got the information, what had happened, and back in those days, we didn't have the technology and the medical studies, and, and the doctor said she had had a nervous breakdown. So when I looked, at, looked that up, I found out that it's not an illness or a disease. It's not like a broken leg. It's, it's a time where we are emotionally or physically overwhelmed that we cannot continue in our daily routine. And I didn't realize till I was older and I understood and I learned the things that my mother had went through and endured and, and struggled against why she had this breakdown. But I also know that she loved Jesus. I also know that God was the center of her life. I also know that she read the Word and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed every day. And yet... Here is this breakdown. So how do we frame that? How do we start out this morning by understanding how these things can happen? Well, 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul has some words of wisdom for us, and it goes like this. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I, I listened to pastor this morning as he was praying, and he was speaking about do not look at the things, do not focus on the things that we see. If we understand life, and, and I, I, want to, I want to clarify this this morning, and please listen to me very closely. If you have experienced any type of a breakdown, and I'm not talking about something that leaves you, your eyes glazed and drooling in your mouth and you're incoherent. and No, I, I'm, I'm talking about have you ever found yourself in a place where you just didn't want to get up in the morning? You just did not see any purpose of putting one foot in front of the other. You did not feel like there was any reason at all to exist. You were overwhelmed. That's a breakdown. Or you might call it life. That's just life. And you see, the Apostle Paul is telling us that we live in a temporary world. We live in a temporary house. If you do not take care of your home or take care of the repairs of your home, drive around this city and you will see the houses that have not been kept up and you will notice that they have broken down. We live in a world where we drive temporary cars. You drive them long enough. You put enough miles on them. 
they're going to break down. We wear temporary clothes. And the longer we have the clothes, they either fray or they split or they rip or they shrink so much we can't get into them anymore. Uh, but, but they're temporary. And we live in temporary bodies. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I have so many people, so I figured I'd take this 60 seconds and just kind of help you understand something. Most of you see me walking around here limping and you think I'm in pain. I'm not in pain. I have some arthritis going on. I've got some things happening within my hip that has kind of put all my athletic skills and abilities on the shelf for a while. And we're working through those. But I've come to this understanding and acceptance that soon to be 67, I'm living in a temporary body that has this potential of breaking down. So how do we deal with that? Well, David gives us some, some understanding. And, and again, for clarity's sake, please, what I'm reading and sharing with you regarding the life of David is basically David is feeling this in Psalm 38. He's feeling this because of, of, of the sin that he feels in his life and the disobedience to God. And, and, and don't buy into this thing that if I'm, if I'm having a breakdown or if I'm struggling or if I'm having a challenge in life, it's because of sin. Because there will be some people out there, and I don't have the Greek or Hebrew word for it, but I, so I just call them ignorant. There are some ignorant people out there who will tell you that everything that happens negative in your life is because of some kind of a sin. That's not necessarily the case. It could just be life, circumstances that you have no control over, situations that you have no control over, bodies that you have no control over in terms of just how it's reacting to things. So... When you come to this place in life, don't get out your diary and go, oh, I've got this happening, so where'd I sin? Where'd I sin? Oh, right here, 1993. I remember I, con I confessed to Jesus. It, that, must, that forgiveness must not have took. And, and so now God's pouring out his wrath on me because back in 1993, here's something I had done that probably wasn't, no. Let's grow past that. Let's move past that, and let's understand that when we're talking about breaking down, there are basically four things that the story of David tells us. First of all, breaking down often exposes our weaknesses. Breaking down often reveals our weaknesses. I want to share with you a scripture that we found that tells us what David, that's what happening in his life in this particular time. And it's actually in um, Deuteronomy chapter 17. These are instructions that are being given to the Israelites when they're choosing a king and they're deciding who they want to be over them. And here are the instructions. When you enter the land of the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us, 
like all the nations around us, be sure to appoint over you the king the Lord your God has chosen. He must be from among your own brothers. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not a brother Israelite. Now notice, the king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more. Why horses? Because in that particular era, horses were symbolic with fleshly strength. And God was saying, you're going to have a king that's going to need more than just his fleshly strength to accomplish what I want him to do. You are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So in relationship to David, God knew he had killed the lion and killed the bear. He knew that he had whipped Goliath. God knew that what David was able to do, a mighty man, a valiant man, and we are going to, we are going to move from the breakdown to, to victory here in just a moment. But, but we have to understand that this period of time that he's going through, God is recognizing that David has some weaknesses. So be sure that you don't trust in the flesh. See, there are many in this auditorium this morning that are talented and gifted. And sometimes we feel that we can live our life just on our talents and our abilities. And then we find ourselves in a position where that doesn't always work. Then the reason that he said he must not take many wives is God is aware that there is a sensuality. There's an idolatry that is, that is lurking right there, and just in some time, a short time, David is going to be exposed to that, and God says, don't, don't take on many wives. Now, probably most of us here don't even remember David's first wife's name because we've just always been uh, overwhelmed with the story of David and Bathsheba. David's first wife was named Michael. And then he had another wife, and then another wife, and then another wife, and then another wife. And then Scripture says that he took more wives, and just for good measure, he threw in some concubines and had more wives. And do you see what? Everything that he was not supposed to be doing, he was doing. It was a weakness. So the application here is that David had bought into the philosophy of the world and it has superseded the will of God. And that's easy for us to do today because remember, we live in a temporary world. We live in a materialistic world. We live in a world where people all around us, advertisements, family, friends, acquaintances, co-workers, everybody around us is saying, this is what you ought to do. This is the way you ought to act. This is how you ought to behave. This is what you ought to possess. This is what you ought to trust in because the world is doing it. And the thing is, David had let the philosophy of the world supersede the will of God. He had taken or he had 
moved himself away from God's divine and perfect will. And he now was beginning to step in some uncharted territory that, as you know, is going to lead him pretty soon into this whole Bathsheba thing. Secondly, what we learn from David is breakdowns can happen anytime and to anyone. Don't live with a fallacy that it never happens to pastors, that it never happens to leaders. I don't think it was a breakdown, but I remember this week, situation was going on, and, and, and my wife, Barbara, she will tell you, very seldom have I ever said this to her, but we were on the phone, and they said, I'm, I'm really down. I'm really down. I, I knew why. I, it wasn't a mystery, but very seldom do I say to my wife, I'm really down. And, and they'll tell you in the office, there's very few times they catch me down. And not that I'm trying to fake it or put on a facade, but, but this was one of the times this week was like I felt like the, the clown with the sand in the bottom. You know, just you smack down and you get up and somebody just smacks you down again and you get up. And how many times are you down and when you're up? And all the time I'm trying to put this sermon together on breaking down. <laughs> Wasn't that fun. One evening, 1 Samuel 11:2. one evening David got up from his bed, walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. Remember when it said, don't let the king take many wives? Because I have an idea that he's got a weakness. And now we have the story of David looking across at this other lady. And here's the thing, friends. If you are with the wrong person in the wrong place for the wrong person, for the wrong purpose, you're going to run into a problem. If you're with the wrong person in the wrong place for the wrong purpose, you're going to run into a problem. And this is what was happening with David. And it can happen to anybody. You see, it can happen to the businessman. The man that is saying that I've worked so hard, I've worked so hard because if I get this account, it's going to put me over the top. If I can get this account, it's going to change my lifestyle. It's going to change my status. It's going to change everything. And I've worked so hard. And he gets the phone call and the client says, I'm sorry, but we've decided to go with somebody else. And the guy has a breakdown. It can happen to the politician that has spent years trying to build and months and months and months and months planning and, and trying to strategize and trying to put his campaign together and, and door to door and every community and the train stops and bus rides and everything goes on and on and on. And finally the day comes and the votes are tallied and he loses. And he sits there and he just plops into the chair and goes, now what? Now what? I don't have a clue what's going to happen. It happens to pastors. It happens to leaders. 
It happens to husbands and it happens to wives. Some of you, whether it's emotional or spiritual, physical or financial, some of you as parents, maybe you're, you know, you're kind of at the wit's end where, you, where you're headed and what you're doing and you kind of feel like that, it's like that breakdown's coming on, but, but I, can't, I can't give in to it because I got to, you know, kids do that. But, but please, no matter how frustrated you get with your kids, don't, don't wrap them up in a big bow and drop them off at Salvation Army. Nobody else wants to raise your kids. God gave them to you. And it's a season. It's a window. It will require you to pray a lot and to learn and to read and to gather information. But you'll make it. You see... When we look at Scripture, we have a tendency. We love to, we love to stay in there in, in Hebrews 11 and 12 and the great heroes of faith. And we love to hear all of the great exploits that have happened. And, and you say, but Pastor Don, breakdowns only happen to weak people. No, 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 no. Breakdowns only happen when you're doing nothing. Uh-uh. You see, talk to Elijah about that. Whip the 400 prophets of Baal. Pretty, pretty neat, huh? Fire down from heaven, consuming the altar and all the wood and everything, just, just licking everything up and fire coming down. And Elisha's praying and he's kind of taunting them a little bit and said, huh, what's the matter? Your God's on strike. And, you know, all this is going on and, and the, the, the wood is consumed by the, by the fire. And he finds out that Jezebel's unhappy and Jezebel is after him. And after, I, I, I've never figured this out. If you have enough psychology to describe this to me, he defeats 400 men, and yet he runs from a woman. I, I've never figured that one out. But we find him under the juniper tree saying, Oh, dear God, just kill me. Just kill me. And God causes him to sleep, and he wakes up, and the angels feed him, and he sleeps some more, and the angels feed him, and then he gets up, and he takes off again 150 miles, and next time God finds him, there's Elijah in a cave. And God's going, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And, and Elijah says, oh, but God, there's, there's, there's nobody that's going to serve you. I'm the only one. Get over yourself, God says. <laughs> he said, there are others who've never bowed their knee to Baal. But a guy like Elijah. And I, I, I don't want to take the time, but, but if you ever have a chance to think about this, the prodigal son. You see, there's things the Scripture tells us, and there's things that the Scripture gives us license. But i got to tell you, if I'm, if I'm in the middle of a pig pen, I think I'm kind of having a breakdown. And, and there's the prodigal son. And then you got Moses marching around the wilderness. 40 years. I mean, wouldn't you think he would get tired giving direction to the people? Take the next left. Take the next left. Take the next left. 40 years. Take the next left. That would wear on all of us. See, breakdowns can happen anytime and to anyone. And here's the thing we have to remember. If we're trying to do God's will, 
Our problem is not ours, but God's. You have to remember that. You need to keep that in your mind. When we are trying to do God's will, our problem is not ours, but God's. And since God is the supreme controller of all, our so-called problem is not really a problem at all. Kind of neat. It's kind of neat when we come to the place that even though we're in that window of difficulty, we can look up and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you got a problem. It's not my problem. I've done everything you've asked me to do. Now, God, you are going to be able to take care of this. The third thing David shows us is that breakdowns will always bring consequences. Breakdowns will always bring consequences. 2 Samuel 12, this is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to the one who's close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt, the son born to you will die. Breakdowns have consequences. The application is this, God administers discipline to show that He's infinite, holy, and righteous. If God never administered discipline, He would go back on His Word because the Scripture said God loves those who He disciplines. And David was being disciplined. And, and, and I don't have time, but if you read in 2 Samuel, you have the whole scene going on with his sons and with his daughter and all of these things taking place. But, but I just bring to you this, this consequence that you're not going to die, but your son's going to die. Breakdowns bring consequences. But here's the good news. Breakdowns don't last forever. And I know it seems like they do. It seems like, oh, my goodness, Pastor Don. And, and, and I say, how long you been going through this? Oh, three days. <laughs> it's been three days. Breakdowns do not last forever. And the hope and the good news, if you were listening to the words of the worship service this morning, he is my healer. If you're listening to the words of the worship service, it is the victor's crown. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. And breakdowns do not last forever. Then David said to Nathan, 2 Samuel 12 and 13, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. What appears to be a negative thing? what I've spoken to you about this morning. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. 
But I have a feeling that I'm talking to a lot of people who've experienced this at some point in their life. And I have a feeling that, that maybe it would have been helpful to have this information as you were going through this, but you survived. You're here. You survived. And whatever it is, it may appear to be a negative thing, but really a breakdown is an opening. You see, it is a door that leads us from the temporal to the eternal. It shifts our focus from our will, our desires, our interest, and our ambitions to discovering what God's will is for our life. Breakdowns reveal our weakness. Breakdowns can happen anytime to anyone. Breakdowns bring consequences, but breakdowns do not last forever. Breakdowns do not last forever. In your living out part, in the end of your handout, here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. Practical, practical application. First of all, read Psalm 91. That'll get your boat started. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, and I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my rock, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. And you would just go zipping through Psalm 91 that you would just want to read it again and again and again. So read Psalm 91. If this doesn't apply to you now, keep it handy. Because there may come a time where you're going to have to acknowledge your breakdown. What I mean by that, and the reason I put that in there, is because we become so fixated when people walk by us in the hallway or at work and they say, how are you doing? And we go, fine. People say, how's things going? Great. And all of the time we're in this breakdown. So acknowledge, take ownership. See, this is called, this is called holy indignation. Rising up to identify, and I understand that I am in a breakdown, but I'm not going to stay here. I understand that I'm experiencing a breakdown, but it's only temporary. It's not going to last forever. So we have to acknowledge our breakdown. Then ask God to show you any weakness that could lead to a breakdown. Remember what he said about the king? Don't, don't let him trust in horses. Don't have him take many wives because I don't want him to trust in, in the flesh and I don't want him to be tempted by sensuality or idolatry. And, and so be aware of that. So our prayer this week is, oh God, you know me better than I know myself. God, show me any weaknesses that might open the door for a breakdown. And then ask for God's strength to show you how to become victorious in times of tragedy and conflict. And I believe that this victorious series will help us in every walk of life.
I believe that. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing with me this morning. This is audience participation. I'm going to ask you to stand. You're not going to have to sing or move to the left or dance to the right. You don't have to do any of that. I sense this morning, in case you're still feeling as though you're, I've kind of made you feel down a little bit, I believe that it would please God for you and I to recite together what I call the Victory Declaration. And it's going to be up on the screen, and I want you to say it out loud with me. Say it with gusto. Say it with feeling. Say it like you mean it. Say it whenever it gets on the screen. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Let's declare this, and let's declare this before God and everyone in this building today. I believe God is. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is keeper of creation and the creator of all. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of time. He always was, always is, and always will be. He is unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. I trust God because when I fall, He lifts me. When I fail, He forgives me. When I am weak, He is strong. When I am afraid, He is my courage. When I face trials, He is with me. When I face problems, He comforts me. He is everything, everybody, everywhere, every time, and every way. I serve God because His bond is love, His burden light. And His goal for me is abundant life. I follow Him because He is the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, the rule of rulers and overseer of overcomers, the sovereign Lord of all that was and is and is to come. He is God. He is faithful. He is in control. Can we give Him praise this morning? Amen. 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 Father, we thank You. So, Father, we thank You today that Your Word is powerful and it's mighty, and there are times that it's also practical. And there are some times where we need to be reminded that we live in a temporary body and a temporary world and house and car and all of these things, it's a reminder that it's only temporary. And Father, we're also reminded that there will be challenges of life. There will be things that come our way that sometimes would just cause us to feel really, really down. But you never want us to stay there. And so, Father, we've declared today, we've declared that you are faithful and you're strong and you're in control and you're unmoved and you're unchanged. Father, we have declared today that even in those times, you want us to live victorious. You want a victorious. You are looking for a glorious church, a victorious church, a body of believers who's marching forward as the army of the Lord. And we thank you for that confidence today. Go with us in the remainder of this day, we pray in your name. Amen and amen. Have a great day in the Lord. God bless you.